I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Over Everything podcast. I'm your host, William Liu. This is your midweek podcast. Um, I want to do something later on Friday as well to take questions and sort of round up where the Raptors are. But at the moment, the Raptors have made a couple of more moves since the last time I potted, so... Wanted to come on and touch on exciting moves such as the addition of Alex Len and the addition of DeAndre Bembry. Um, not that exciting, I'm not going to lie to you, but uh, both functional pieces. Uh, I think I'm going to be using the word functional a lot. Um, let's start with the center rotation. So the Raptors brought in Alex Len. He uh, played for four teams before this. You know, he was drafted fifth overall uh, in 2013, I believe, by the Phoenix Suns. Um, and he played there for a while, then went to Atlanta, then went to uh, Sacramento. And now he is on the Raptors as what I presume to be the third string center. I'm going to touch on the center rotation, how it works um, in a second. But let's actually start with just um, Alex Len, what he brings. So, again, there's that key word functional. I would say he's functional. He's um, more of a classic big man. Um it's not really going to be uh, these one of these you know undersized you know um, really really quick moves around can handle the ball shoot the ball kind of like we're not getting Chris Webber here okay we're getting Alex Len um, you know in terms of offensively he's more limited offensively than he is defensively I think defensively actually brings some tangible things that can help the team offensively just not necessarily that. Um, good of an offensive player. I wouldn't say he's a good offensive player necessarily. Uh, you know, I think probably the best thing he brings is offensive rebounding. Um, you know, when you watch some of these clips, you know, especially for Atlanta and, and Sacramento, their their priorities were so much shooting and, and really bad shooting, but, you know, just shooting, um, that they basically made Alex Len a garbage man and just uh, told him to go collect offensive rebounds. He did a pretty good job with that, to be honest. For his career, his offensive rebound percentage is 11.0%, so which means that he's grabbing 11% of all available offensive rebounds when he's on the floor, which is pretty high. Um, you know, if you just put that into comparison, you know, Serge Ibaka, who was probably the Raptors' best offensive rebounder last year, outside of Rondé collecting his own misses, was uh, at 8.8% last year for Serge Ibaka. Marc Gasol, obviously not really a big offensive rebounder. For his career, he's 5.7%. Um, even a guy like JV, who I thought was an excellent offensive rebounder, and obviously played close to the rim, and, and, and you know uh, played a lot in the post, could collect his own rebounds, stuff like that. Eleven point nine percent career offensive rebounding percentage for JV. So, what you're getting with Alex Len is a guy who can get offensive rebounds. I think that's kind of nice offensively. Um, that's kind of been a little bit different of an approach. Um, as compared to previous seasons. And, um, yeah, aside from that, I mean, he can finish around the basket. I wouldn't say he's necessarily above average in terms of finishing around the basket. The percentages are fine, you know, around 60%, 65%. It's not exceptional for a center. We've seen, you know, Raptors bring in guys like Serge who are, like, around 70%. Um, But, you know, (laughs) yeah, Alex Len is on a minimum, and Serge Ibaka is Serge Ibaka. So it is a a discount. Um, You know, I think the one question I do have, Alex, that is slightly intriguing to me is whether or not the three-point shot is real. So, 
In 2019, the Hawks gave him the green light to shoot the three, and Alex Len actually shot okay from the three-point range. I wouldn't say he was an exceptional three-point shooter by any means, but he hit 74 of 204 attempts from three, which is 36.3%. Not horrible. Not horrible. And, you know, the volume is just low. I think the, the real question is whether he's going to be continue to be allowed to shoot that three, because uh, before that, over the first five years of his, of his career, he only made one three-pointer. I'm assuming that was some sort of long um, heave or something like that. Um, and then, you know, uh, you know, even after that, I mean, I, I just, you know, he wasn't really allowed to shoot the three as much uh, this past season, really didn't shoot it as much, you know, uh, at all with the Kings. So um, I'm, I'm kind of curious to see whether that three is real because I think that would really give you another option. Um, the Raptors have really, really emphasized um, three-point shooting. They've given the green light to a lot of people to shoot. Pretty much everyone except for Rondé, which, uh, you know, I, I mean, I mean, I don't mean to disrespect Rondé, but he wasn't making any threes, even in practice. So, um, you know, I think Nick will encourage these guys to shoot. And if Alex can shoot the three and he can build his confidence a little bit to shoot the three, I think that gives you a lot more an ability to play him. Because, um, I mean, yeah, it's unless he's getting wide open around the basket, there's just not that much offensive skill for him. But... Um, you know, I think defensively he does bring more than he does offensively. I think um, he's actually, I would say, pretty functional defensively, um, especially in a drop coverage where the big man can kind of sag back into the paint. Um, you know, he's decently mobile for a seven-footer. I wouldn't say he's like Bam Adebayo moving around, but then again, Bam's 6'8", or 6'9", and he just signed for the max. Um, you know, I think Alex, for a seven-footer, is decently mobile, can move around, um, you know, uses his length well. Uh, if you look at his defensive metrics last year, he allowed opponents to shoot 59.6% within a restricted area, uh, which is a fine percentage. I mean, to give you a range, you know, someone like Jakob Pertl, who's a pretty good defensive center, as we know, 59.1% uh, last year. Jared Allen, obviously a defensive specialist there too, 59.7%. And a guy like Miles Turner, who I know a lot of people really liked uh, coming to the Raptors, 60.3% uh, allowed w within the restricted area. So, I think that's solid, and I think it's even more solid when you consider the fact that he was there, um, you know, playing center with, um, you know, uh, Trey Young on, on guarding the perimeter and, of course, allowing guards to come in. You know, even in Sacramento, you know, I wouldn't say they had great perimeter defense by any means. And, and so, uh, you know, it, it's it's not bad. I, again, I don't, I'm not trying to oversell him. I don't think he's, like, an exceptional defender, but I just mean that, like, he's seven feet tall. He's going to put his hands up. And he generally knows how to follow a scheme. So um, that's that's always going to be a little bit of a positive. I think that rim protection is going to be very important. The Raptors clearly put a huge emphasis on rim protection last season um, and have done so uh, both years that Nick Nurse has been here. So, you know, that's going to be very key. I think Alex is going to be a decent rim protector. I don't know if he's going to be blocking that many shots per se. He's, uh, you know, for his career, you know, uh, one block per game. You know, again, he's not really a leaper, so he's not really going to block like that. But positionally, he's going to be sound, I think. And, um, yeah, I mean, the other thing is just he's a solid defensive rebounder. Um, so his defensive rebounding percentage, 23.7% for his career. Uh, compare that to a guy like Chris Boucher, 21%. You know, even Sergio Baca, you know, for his career, 19.6%. So um, he's going to grab rebounds for you. He's going to contest rebounds. He's going to play hard. And... Yeah, I mean, you know, I think especially if you're going to play him on drop coverage, he can do that. 
and it, it won't necessarily hurt you as much. Not sure how much he's going to be able to switch. Quite honestly, I'm not going to pretend like I watched a ton of Atlanta games or Sacramento games. Don't really think they got that creative defensively. And if they did, it wasn't too much success because those were terrible defensive clubs. But um, we will see if he can switch or not. Obviously, he's going to have the best uh, surrounding talent around him. So he's going to have way better defenders at all the other positions. And this is a team that actually values winning and values defense. So he's you would think he would work better here than in one of those other places, but I don't know. I mean, uh, it's to be determined as well just because the standard's also quite high. So he would obviously need to meet a lot of requirements to actually get minutes in the first place. And then the really only thing defensively that I don't feel like I like too much from Alex is that um, he fouls a lot. So his career, he's at 4.9 fouls per 36 minutes. It's quite high. I doubt he's going to play 36 minutes uh, very much for the Raptors, uh, if if ever at all. But uh, if he does... Seems to foul a little bit. Um, I think a lot of that is just, um, you know, again, poor perimeter defense around him. But uh, also, he's one of those guys that looks just like a little bit bumbling around the basket. So, um, you know, that's it's it's always going to look a little bit worse when contact goes into you just because you're not always, like, the most coordinated, the most balanced. Uh, you know, he's strong enough, and he's a big guy. He's going to absorb some contact, but, um, you know, it... it after watching Marcus Gasol essentially just like jump up and put his belly into guys and then sort of absorb and bounce and never get the call for you know at least against them with the with the verticality rules um I'm not sure Alex has the full uh, mastery of that but again we're comparing him to Marcus Gasol what are we doing so I mean in terms of style of play I mean don't disrespect but I've kind of used the description of um he's like a dollar store JV he kind of gives you um, that kind of production, and I don't mean that again with disrespect. I just mean that in terms of comparison. Um, you know, like for example, you can go to Dollarama and get like a spatula, and you know it's probably not going to look that great. It's probably going to be plastic and melt a little bit onto your your pan, and it's it's uh, maybe will come apart or anything like that. You might have to buy another one, but um, you know it's it's uh, it's still going to flip eggs for you. <laughs> And and do what you need to, or you can you know go to like a crate and barrel and like spend fifty dollars on uh, a spatula that's going to be much better and it's going to be much more reliable and it's not going to scratch your stuff and it's not going to leave uh, residue and you know it's going to look a lot better, easier to clean, all that other stuff. But I mean, I don't know, man. At the end of the day, you're still flipping eggs and kind of. I that's kind of how I feel about Alex Len in comparison to a guy like JV. Um, you know, JV does a lot offensively, uh, really well, and he's a really reliable finisher, as we know. Um, but you know, has some limitations defensively, but can also be effective defensively if used in the specific matchups. And it's kind of how I feel about Alex, man. I mean, it, you know, again, Alex is not as good offensively. Don't 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 get me confused on that. But um, you know, can do a lot of the same functional stuff that JV did, and then defensively, probably not as good as JV either. But uh, can also kind of pr- play. The similar kind of style, so that's what you're getting with Alex Len. Um, in terms of the center position, here's here's kind of how I think it's going to work. So I think Aaron Baines is going to start. Uh, Aaron Baines just did his introductory press conference with Toronto Media, uh, which was great. Um, he actually apologized for being late, which is a very rare athlete ever does that. And most athletes just uh, are 30 minutes late and just you know roll with it. Who cares? Um, you're all plebs and um, can wait, but um, no, Aaron was was quite nice. You know, um, you know, pretty open guy. He seems pretty friendly. Talked about his beard. Um, said various Australianisms. Um, but anyway, so 
uh, Aaron Baines was speaking to the media, and he actually said that, you know, it hasn't necessarily been determined that he will be the starter. I think everyone's going to come in and compete for the spots. Um, so that's that's cool. But I, realistically, I think Baines is the best player out of the three the Raptors have at center. Um, and I could kind of see Aaron Baines playing about 25 minutes per game. Now, you might say 25, that's not that very high. Well, first off, um, the Raptors just generally don't want to. I mean, under Nick Nurse, he's really split his time. Now, granted, Nick has had some pretty good bigs to work with between Serge, between JB, between Mark. Um, so, you know, there's not necessarily a need to stack your roster necessarily and, and, and tax the guys. But if you look at minutes per game last year, for example, Serge played 27, Mark played 26. 25 for the starting centers is kind of what you would expect. I think Nick is very smart in terms of how he uses his centers and that you're going to need a lot of energy from your center spot. Uh, it's a high-activity position because it's so important defensively. And even offensively, you're going to need a lot of stuff in terms of rim running and stuff like that. So uh, keeping your minutes down for those big guys makes a lot of sense. And so 25 for Baines as a starter. Uh, that would be also a career high for him in terms of minutes per game because last year was a career high for him in Phoenix, and he played 22 per game. And that's also bumped up by the fact that he started a lot of games while DeAndre Ayton was serving a 25-game suspension for PEDs. So, 25 for Baines. That might even be a little bit optimistic. I think keeping him load-managed, I mean, it's not like a quiet situation, but I think with Baines, he's a very physical player, uh, definitely not afraid of contact. Uh, But, you know, he's, what, played 51 out of 82 games in 2019 and 42 out of a possible 72 in 2020. So, he's going to be... 34 when the season starts. Um, I don't anticipate the Raptors running him into the ground. Even 25, I think, is a little bit high for him. But as a starter, I mean, 25 should also not necessarily be out of the realm of possibility for him. I think in terms of why I think Baines starts, A, I just think he's a better player than the two of them. I think he's the best defensive player out of the three, kind of by some distance. Um, and offensively, I think his tools fit with the Raptors, what they need. In terms of the three-point shooting from the center spot. I, I think offensively, the Raptors are going to take a step back. None of these guys are going to replace what Serge brought offensively in that consistency. But at the same time, you know, I think Baines can replace a lot of the three-point shooting. He did a lot more passing at the start of last season. You know, the, the, the Suns played very differently with Baines in the starting five. as more of a distributor, Marcus Gasol kind of role. Whereas when DeAndre Ayton came back and he's more of a, a roller, maybe a, in the post, stuff like that. So different function, just like how the Raptors would function differently and run different offense if it was Serge starting versus with Mark starting. And for Baines, you know, he's uh, he's going to be able to shoot the three, which is good. You know, um, it's still a little bit TBD. I'm like I'm like 70% sure of in this three-point shot. It looks a little goofy, but it has hit quite consistently. Um, but uh, he's probably the best shooter out of the three, so I, th- I think he's going to start. Also, I think defensively he's going to have more matchups that work in his favor because he is pretty fleet-footed for a guy who's 34 years old. Um, he's a little bit undersized, so he can get a little bit. He's always been a mobile player, um, and he's strong as hell. Uh, I just think, yeah, he, he probably starts. So he, he, he bains with the 25 minutes, and then coming off the bench, I think Boucher can give you 18. Again, this would be pretty high. Um, I would say he would get more minutes on nights where he has a good matchup. Also depends a lot on how he continues to develop his game because last year he was good, sometimes not great all the time, and that's something that um, you know uh, Chris was pretty self-aware in terms of you know he talked about in his press conference when um, it was announced that he officially resigned to a two-year deal. Uh, Chris said uh, you know uh, you know the Raptors had an exit meeting with him you know obviously with with Nick and probably other guys. And they talked about sort of what's the next step. And the consistency was a huge, huge theme of what was the next step. 
in terms of just not making not just making great appearances you know one and every two games but being good every single game and I think you know Chris has shown the ability to impact games on a very very high level but he's also had a lot of games where he comes in and is forcing stuff and doesn't really work out or he's coming in fouling and and not necessarily being as attentive into the uh, defensive scheme as you normally would like comes out whatever right before there was a lot lot more of a luxury to, to to yank you know Boucher's minutes because you had other options. Now the options are a lot thinner, so they're going to need Boucher to be more consistent. And um, yeah, you know, I, I, I'm, I think this is a really good opportunity for Chris to uh, to showcase what he could do. Um, I think offensively, he's going to bring an element of diving to the rim, which is very is still very unique. I mean, he's probably the only one of the three that's going to catch a lob with any sort of consistent threat. Um, you know, I think he's. Uh, I think obviously he's the only one that's going to block three pointers out of the three of them. He's obviously just a unique center, period. But um, you know, I think uh, yeah, he's going to get some decent minutes there too. And again, on the right matchups, I think he could probably play a lot more than eighteen minutes. Um, and yeah, it's, it's it's really just on him, really. Can he kind of slow the game down for himself? Uh, understand sort of um, what his roles are going to be, you know, in terms of on a night-to-night basis, how he's going to impact the game on a night-to-night basis. Maybe the jumper's not that consistent. If the jumper can improve a little bit, that'd be great. But even without the jumper, just finding ways to consistently contribute, staying out of foul trouble, uh, sticking to the defensive uh, principles, um, you know, being solid defensively first and foremost, and then just providing that rim-running presence offensively because the Raptors will have good guards to give him easier opportunities to uh, to score. And we know what Chris can do. We, we've seen it in flashes. It's just taking those flashes, making them more consistent, be fantastic for the Raptors next season, and honestly be fantastic with Chris's career going forward in terms of whether the Raptors might pick up that second year, which is non-guaranteed, or even if you know he gets let go or traded or anything like that, you know he has another opportunity to uh, to, to to you know extend and sign another contract. So, uh, in terms of Len, who I just talked about, probably comes and gives you 15 minutes, right? So you know you get 15 from Len, 25 from Baines, 18 from Boucher. Again, these averages are never going to happen on, on a specifically the same way every single game. This is going to be injuries stuff like that. So people's numbers are going to be probably adding up to over 48, but you know. This is kind of how I assume. Don't know if Len plays every single night, but when he does, I think he can be a really solid backup. Um, you know, to me, I think he's the smallest salary, so he's probably going to have the smallest role. Just, just generally how it goes. Len signing for the minimum. Boucher and Baines probably both making seven. Uh, and he's a newcomer, um, so he shouldn't already be ahead of Boucher just on that alone. Um, but I, I think he's, you know, he's there for depth. Um the Raptors probably more likely to downsize than, than than upsize this year in terms of two center lineups. So I doubt he gets minutes that way. But again, as I mentioned, when he comes in, he has he brings a very defined skill set, it's kind of a reliable skill set too. So I think, you know, especially if the Raptors face a bigger team like Philly, for example, I think Len could see more minutes. Um, you know, uh, you know, there's plenty of physical centers in the league like that, and yeah. Um, even even against teams where guards really like to go downhill, like you know Washington, for example, uh, with John Wall back, uh, you could probably see Len a little bit more just to get a little more rim protection. But uh, yeah, you know he's uh, he's solid. I, I would just say he's not really talented enough to like really really force the hand for the Raptors. But again, with injuries, you know Bain's had an injury history. Chris Boucher, you know he's still not his injury. He doesn't really have like a huge injury history. Obviously, he had injuries before coming into the NBA, but he's been mostly solid since then. 
Um, it's just sort of his consistency. And, and so I think Len will actually get some decent opportunities too. I'm really happy they have to pick up a third center. They needed some uh, stability in the front court. In terms of actually closing games, I actually do think the Raptors probably will go small on a fair decent amount to close games. We obviously saw that in the uh, in the Celtics series a lot, where um, the Raptors closed a lot of games with OG and Pascal Siakam as the four and the five. Uh, we used to see it a lot more in the 2018-19 season as well, but uh, with with Serge and Mark being so solid and with Boucher sort of having some great games, Raptors rarely closed going small last season, but I think this season you're probably going to need a, a little bit more from OG and Siakam because you're not just taking... There's not like a Serge Ibaka or like a Marc Gasol to like force their way onto the floor because they're so talented. You're going with guys that have less high in terms of ceilings and, and reliability. So I think probably OG and Siakam close a decent amount of games. That does bring in a question of who is that fifth guy that's going to come into the starting five to replace whoever one of these guys are. Norm was obviously the choice um, against Boston. Uh, we'll see. I mean, obviously the Raptors are sacrificing some size, so ideally be someone bigger. But there's not really like a big swingman that, um, you know, six 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 seven. That's really going to come in and, and provide a good offensive impact. Um, so it's probably going to be sm- smaller, like Norm again, maybe even Matt Thomas. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. If you're closing games with Matt Thomas, you, you, that's a big defensive liability right there. So I, I think really the, the biggest question with the centers is just how much can they preserve the Raptors' ability to defend? Because obviously, you know, Serge and Mark especially brought so much uh, of an impact defensively and they were really, really important to the Raptors being second in the league in defense um, I think some key questions are like, can, you know, these guys, I think Aaron's probably going to pick up the uh, switches and, and, and zones and stuff like that, that Nicholas likes to run because he's uh, very experienced. He's also played a lot of international basketball and there's a lot more zoning and switching and stuff like that in international ball. He's played a lot of his life for Australia. Um, you know, and, and really the question is, can Chris do that? I think Chris showed some good ability to do that last year and I'm not really sure what Len can do defensively in terms of the versatility outside of uh, dropping and, and staying close to the rim. But if they can do all that and they can maintain the Raptors' defense, I think that would be a huge win. I think offensively, it's very it's asking a lot for them to replace what Serge did. I think Serge is just by far more offensively gifted than the three guys here. We Serge became really, really good, as we know. But um, I think if they can maintain the defense, that's the, that's the biggest thing because the Raptors are going to need a really, really solid uh, defensively sound um, defense um, to to fuel the transition game because that's how the Raptors like to play. They like to get stops and then like to run. And um, you know, you are also asking them to replace some very very good defenders. So hopefully the Raptors can still defend because offensively it's already uh, in, uh, enough of a hit that if the Raptors also lose their transition game because th- those guys can't defend as well then you're really running into some issues. And that's where the Raptors might have drop-off. But for the most part, the Raptors went from spending $50 million on centers to $15 million, So you can expect some drop-off. Uh, but, you know, you're probably getting better bang for your buck, quite honestly. Um, you know, you, you, you again, it's... It, yeah, you know, the Raptors kind of just switched up strategies. They have some... Um, some some different options there, and and you know it, I think it, it's good that the front office provided Nick with uh, some different pieces to mix and match. Not the most talented pieces, again, but guys that bring distinct skill sets that are different from each other. You know, Baines is very different from Len. Len is very different from Boucher. Boucher is very different from both of them. 
So um, hopefully the Raptors can kind of figure that out. Again, it's going to be very big, though, because they're going to need to defend. They're going to need to keep the rim tight. The Raptors are really good at protecting the rim last year and the year before that. And hopefully Nick can kind of coach these guys up. I think that's the hope. But uh, that's where they stand on the center spot. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. In terms of other signings, the Raptors brought in DeAndre Bembry. Uh, you know, decent player from the Hawks. You know, I, I would say he's, uh, he's like a dollar store Marcus Smart, I guess. You know what I mean? Like, can handle a little bit, can create a little bit. He actually ran backup point for the Hawks a little bit. Um, definitely not a good shooter at all. Uh, career 26.9%, uh, three-point shooter. You know, maybe some games you can get streaky, hit some, but, you know, it's not really a good shooter. I mean, that's some, that's been an issue for him, even dating back to college. That was one of the things that caused his drag stop the stock to to drop but quite good defensively um you know i you know we're getting really into the weeds here so he averaged 2.3 deflections and 1.3 steals in just 21 minutes per game last year not bad um he guarded two through four for the hawks i to be honest he, he's only six foot five so i'm not sure how he guarded fours like that but maybe we're talking about smaller fours um essentially what you're looking for Bembry to do is kind of replace what uh ronde gave them Last season, I kind of doubt Rondé comes back at this point, um, considering the makeup of the roster. But, um, yeah, I mean, he doesn't necessarily need to exactly replicate Rondé's role because I don't know if Rondé's role was, like, absolutely pivotal to what the Raptors needed. I think some nights the Raptors are really thin and Rondé came in and you can kind of adapt to what Rondé did. But when you're a role player, you need to adapt to the team, not for the team to adapt towards you. And so hopefully it won't be the same kind of, you know, huge adjustment where, you know, you're going to have to run weird pick and rolls with DeAndre Bembry where he's screening like a Kyle Iris screening like in the restricted area to get the pick and roll off. But, um, but yeah, Bembry's okay. I, I don't, I don't dislike the signing. I think he's fine. I mean, he's depth. He's uh it's a two year deal. Second year, non-guaranteed uh, minimum. Probably not going to play that much, but I mean, when called upon, I think a, a guy who can defend first and foremost, that's always good. Offensively, it's rough, but, you know, it is what it is. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know what to fully expect from him. I, I do like him, though. I, I like his makeup as, as a player. I think the Hawks really liked him. You know, uh, they kept him for many years, despite the fact that the Hawks have changed uh, front offices and pretty much shuffled every other player um, in their in their team. But uh, he's a solid player. I'm looking forward to sort of, I don't know, getting to know his game and see what he brings. I, I, I wouldn't set the expectations too high, but, you know, um, he can defend. And right off the bat, that's that's probably the most important thing for the Raptors right now is can you defend. In terms of the rotation, so the Raptors still have 
uh, one uh, main roster spot and one two-way open. And this is with uh, second-round pick Jalen Harris still unsigned. So the Raptors got to sign him to a two-way or sign him to one of the main uh, roster spots. I think the Raptors will have a lot more control over his career if they sign him. They use one of their main roster spots to sign him. But they could also keep that 15th roster spot open and sort of keep a training camp battle. Um, this also doesn't account for the fact that O'Shea Brissett is still a restricted free agent. So I'm not sure what his future is. I mean, the Raptors are almost running out of roster spots a little bit. But then you consider the fact that um, Dewan Hernandez's contract not guaranteed yet. So if he's cut for some reason, uh, then you have another roster spot uh, that's open. And also Terrence Davis, who obviously has an ongoing legal issue, um, and and so his the deadline to cut both Dewan and uh, to to cut Terrence if they choose to do so is on November 29th. So coming up in a few days. And uh, we'll see. But, you know, for now, the Raptors roster is generally decently kind of filled. I think any other guys that they add right now, they're not going to affect the rotation that much. Don't really see a trade coming, although they could. Um, they are pretty small at the moment. So if they wanted to make a move, I would say uh, likely Norm is probably the one that's most likely to be moved. I mean, it sucks that Norm is discussed like that. But, you know, the, the, his contract makes him easier to move. The fact that he's actually a good player makes him easier to move. I know people want to move like... McCaw and Stanley in a deal. No one's taking on McCaw and Stanley. Uh, I just, I just don't, I just doubt it. So, um, but for the most part, I think the Raptors are kind of where they are. Kind of expect that last roster spot to go to a, a wing player. Hopefully, it's bigger three. That's always ideal to have wing, size on the wing. Uh, we'll see what kind of Paul Watson does because I'm kind of interested to see what he can do. But aside from that, yeah, that's where the Raptors roster stands. And then the last thing I want to touch on before signing off is Giannis Watch 2020. Uh, that is still going on, by the way. Um, I know people are panicked when the Bucks made the moves to sign Drew Holiday and all these other random pieces. But, uh, I mean, come on. Until he signs that deal, that, that this watch is still on. So, two things happen in terms of the Giannis update. Uh, one, the Miami Heat, who are also one of the rumored uh, big chasers of Giannis. I mean, come on, man. I mean... It's Miami. They're going to chase every free agent. Um, they signed Bam Adebayo to a rookie extension, a maximum rookie extension. Um, and you can read that, honestly, either way. You can maybe read it as, you know, Bam has the same agent as Giannis. Which, by the way, Matt Thomas is the same agent as Giannis as well. So, uh, a lot of tampering going on. Everyone can do it legally. Um, but, you know, maybe the agent told Miami, look, we are going to go with that maximum extension. You should go ahead and just take care of my other agent now. Uh, maybe. Or you can look at it the other way of just, you know, for Bam, they needed to keep him going forward regardless of whether Giannis comes or not. He had just played in a, uh, in a breakout year where he makes the All-Star team, uh, makes All-NBA, um, gets them to the finals, was phenomenal, was their best player against the Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals. And then in the in the finals, he tears the shoulder, and comes back and still plays through that. Now, it wasn't as effective, but, I mean, he was soldiered through all that. So, you might want to take care of your guy at that point. Especially when you see other teams locking their guys. You know, Tatum gets a maximum deal. Uh, Brandon Ingram gets a maximum deal. You know, take care of your guy. And I think, that, honestly, I'm not really sure where to read it on that. I doubt the agent necessarily just said, yo, Giannis is straight up not coming. Uh, because I don't think that decision is made yet. But, uh, you know, I, I think for Miami... They made their move. The bottom line is, 
if there is still a chase, it would make it a little bit harder for them to do it because now they might have to use some sign and trade mechanisms, uh, mechanisms to um, to make the deal still happen. And you know, I think it would have been maybe easier for them financially to do it with uh, you know um, Bam's cap hold instead of using uh, cap room specifically to, uh, to 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 sign him to that extension now and then to then go ahead and chase Giannis. But it's still possible for Miami, so I wouldn't necessarily rule it out. It will be very difficult though because they would have three max contracts on their books. It's just hard to fit all that together. Um, where that stands for the Raptors, I mean, I'm not sure. I mean, I don't know if they will sign OG to an extension. I saw Grange report that, you know, uh, they will likely try to do something with OG for an extension. Um, you know, I, I think for the Raptors, all, this, all, all due respect to OG, he's not on the same talent level as Bam Adebayo. Bam is like a clear-cut max player, and he's going to get that money, and you wanted to keep him. With OG... His number is going to fluctuate a little bit more. So, you know, there's going to be a lot of other factors that go into the negotiation in terms of how much do you project him going forward, how much does he want now, the security of getting the money now versus later, who knows. And then on top of the fact that, you know, you can maybe keep your books open uh, because his cap hold is quite low because he was a 23rd pick as opposed to signing him to that extension uh, earlier. To be honest, the Raptors' history has generally been to sign their players to rookie-scale extensions. When it's been available, so they did it with Norm, they did it with JV, did it with uh, Terrence Davis or uh, Terrence Ross, they did it with um, you know a, a lot of guys in the past. So uh, I did it with Pascal, right? So um, I wouldn't be surprised, but at the same time, it's kind of the same thing for the Raptors. They can still use tra- signing trades to essentially get that done. Uh, you know, if Giannis does decide to come, but really the big question is what does Giannis want to do? And I think there's a great update. Uh, you know, Jake Fisher uh, wrote this piece for Bleacher Report that kind of dove into what happened with that failed uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich pursuit for the Milwaukee Bucks that was quite public, that was quite embarrassing, kind of backfired on them. A lot of great details in there. Um, some of the biggest ones was that, well, A, Giannis really wanted Bogdanovich. Man. He really, really wanted him. Uh, Thanasis, who is Gian- Giannis's older brother, who's obviously a teammate, has been essentially in contact with Bogdan for weeks trying to recruit him. Uh, this is not tampering because players can talk to players. And, um, you know, Giannis viewed him as like a, a piece to complete a big three, which would have been Bogdanovich, Giannis, and Chris Middleton. And he saw him as someone to go to war with in the playoffs. Um, now, that's very high hopes. And actually... Nowadays, we of course think of the big three as Holiday, Giannis, and Chris Middleton. Well, Giannis thought of Bogdan as the priority this offseason. Holiday was kind of a bonus. So I don't know what he would necessarily think, coming from that perspective, about the fact that essentially they could have still got the Bogdan thing to work, A, if they weren't so loud about it, but B, if they just kept the Eric Bledsoe contract to use an assignment trade with uh, the Kings rather than with... Uh, with uh, the Pelicans for Holiday because, uh, you know, they in a sign of trade, you needed more co- money. That's one of the big issues. With The Bucks didn't have enough smaller salaries to aggregate together and send out. So um, they can only get to a smaller number, around 15, for uh, Brogdon in the, uh, Bogdan in the um, sign of trade that they essentially thought they had on the table. But initially, that was discussed with Bledsoe in that place. Bledsoe made 17, so they can get to 18 uh, to, to get... Uh, Bogdan in and so I don't know man the Bucks management essentially decide to go a slightly different way than what Giannis specifically wanted and what he had communicated to them so I, I you know I I would say uh, you know even without this report 
where Fisher says that there's been a quote, a categorical step back in confidence, end quote, with the Bucks organization on a Giannis extension as compared to where it started at the start of the summer. But um, even without that, I mean, it, it's just it's just tough. But uh, the one thing is kind of cute to me is just, you know, Giannis obviously is a superstar. He's throwing his weight around, you know, superstars tamper, superstars make teams. This is what the modern NBA is about. Uh, it, it is just kind of funny to me that a guy like Giannis, who's so talented, who has so much leverage over the Bucks, is targeting and targeting someone so modest in terms of Bogdan Bogdanovich. Like, if you think about other superstars who have tampered in the past, uh, Kawhi tampers and gets Paul George to switch organizations. That's Paul George. I mean, I know we, we, we make fun of Paul George now. Paul George is objectively a really good player, right? Uh, that's who he wanted to come with him, and that's who he got to come with him. You know, you have LeBron. When he went to L.A., the plan all along was to get AD all along, right? And AD is like a top-five player. And, of course, they come together and they win a championship. Giannis is out here trying so hard to get the Bucks to just get Bogdan Bogdanovich in a sign-in trade. It wasn't even like, yo, let's go get him off the team. Uh, you know, let's let's trade the whole team for him. You know, it's not one of these Paul George situations to trade seven picks or AD, trade all your prospects, all your picks. It's just signing a restricted free agent, and that was so hard for the Bucks. So it's, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I don't know if that necessarily makes or breaks it because Giannis can still sign money that's going to secure his uh, future generations for many lifetimes over. But at the same time, that money is still going to be there whether he signs that extension or not. So that's where we stand with Giannis Watch. Um, I think on the whole, you have to say that some of these developments are a little bit more positive for the Raptors. Again, still a pipe dream. You have to be very clear it's a pipe dream, but the Raptors clearly want to make a move in 2021. They want the opportunity to make a move. They sacrificed Serge and Mark essentially to do it. Um, and yeah, I'm looking forward to see what happens. So um, that does for the podcast for now. I'm going to have another podcast on Friday. We're going to take some Twitter questions and, uh, and sort of see where the Raptors are at. But for now, thanks everyone for listening. And uh, yeah, listen back on Friday. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.